Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. You guys, I want to hear from you in this very cool weekend. It's Championship Week. Facebook and Twitter, it is SportsGarden, G-A-R-T-E-N, 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates, that is where you can find us. And what a championship week do we have. Oh, yes. We have the number one, two, three, and four top offenses in the NFL heading up against each other. How about the quarterbacks? Legend against legend. MVP candidate against MVP candidate. Speaking of MVPs, the MVP is playing this weekend. We just don't know where, but I think... The guys that are going to finish 1, 2, and 3 are playing this weekend. Yeah, I believe Rodgers, Mahomes, and Josh Allen. And the guy that's left out of the MVP conversation, oh, he's only the greatest NFL football player ever in Tom Brady. And speaking of Tom Brady, he has a chance to do something that we've never seen before, and that is host a playoff game. That's right. No team has ever won this championship weekend where his city is the Super Bowl City. Well, Tom Brady has a chance to do that. But on the other hand, wait, Aaron Rodgers has never hosted a championship game in his own city, so you have that. We also go back and you look at Mahomes against Josh Allen. These two teams have played before. Quite different circumstances for the Bills, though. The last time they were supposed to play, and then they got pushed back from Thursday to Sunday, then Sunday to Monday. Well, here we are again. So we have great matchups. I'm somebody that... I like the idea of Cinderella's, but I like the best against the best. And how about the best against the best? One seeds, two seeds, and the Tampa Bay Bucks, they come in while they're a five seed. Doesn't matter. They had the most tickets for futures bets in the country on them. So big-time liability for the sports books. The lines, well, the lines will tell you everything you need to know. Think about it like this, guys. You automatically get three points in the NFL for playing at home. Both of these spreads, about three, three and a half points. So it's right there. How about the totals? 51-54. It's right there. People are expecting a very tight, very tough, real good games this weekend. And we're going to get into it. We have two guests coming on. Mark Beach, who is all about the Green Bay Packers. We'll get into Mark in a moment. But first, we're going to lead off the show with former offensive lineman, a guy that blocked for Joe Montana, Joe Valerio. This is Doc Holliday, co-host of the Believe in Rams podcast with Pro Football Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce, and you're listening to Wagering Week with my guy, my homie, Tom Barton. All right, it's time to get into the games themselves. I love this. I love the fact that we're able to sit down and just completely break a game down. This game... Look, we have a guy that I think is going to probably finish second, but should finish first in the MVP race, and a guy that I think is going to finish third and maybe should be finished first. We're talking about Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. The line is three. It's bounced around a little bit, two and a half, three or so. Depending on where you shop, it looks like it's three. The total is going to sit there at 54. I'm going to bring on an expert, and this guy, not only does he know the Kansas City Chiefs, he clearly knows legendary quarterbacks. Joe Valerio. Joe is a retired Kansas City Chief, offensive lineman, 
Number 73 is a football coach, too. You can go check him out at, at Joe Valerio 73 over on Twitter. Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Great to, great to be back with you and excited for, you know, championship weekend. This is, this is great stuff. This is I'm just so happy we're here, right? Who would have thought? In the middle of COVID, we would have made it this far with without doing the season in a bubble, and here we are. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic, man. And this is the, the matchups that we wanted. I know I want to talk to you about the Chiefs, but how about these four quarterbacks? You know, I had mentioned it at the top of the show where just a couple of years ago, we had guys like Blake Bortles and Case Keenum in the finals. No, the final four quarterbacks, you could argue, are the best four quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, a couple of them. You know, three of them at least. I will, obviously, the verdict will be out on Josh. You know, and how his career progresses. We we know what Patrick has done as another young quarterback. It it could end up being for the greatest of all time. I know. I know we've got two of them at the top of the of the list with you know Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and the up and coming Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. I mean, what a what a what a crew of quarterbacks. If 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 it doesn't tell you that quarterbacks mean something, then you haven't been watching the season. <laughs> as a fan offenses win championships now right forget about the old adage defense wins championships. it's offense uh, wins championship yeah. <laughs> or have i gone right? too far i mean it, or it puts or it, it sells jerseys and gets people in the stands either one right uh you know but it's 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 fantastic to watch you know four really really good you know two up-and-coming quarterbacks two legends uh, you know it, what more could you ask for you know and and really i mean the Buccaneers, I know, obviously, you know, fran- you know, a uh, expansion franchise, and and there's still there's a lot of people that probably listen that, that don't even remember them not being a franchise because you know you and I are that old, right? Um, but but you know, you're talking about three of them at least are are NFL royalty, right? Packers, Bills, Chiefs. I mean, old school, you know, go way back type franchises. Obviously, the Buccaneers have had a great run too, but you know, just the the fact that you've got you know, especially in the AFC, you've got this matchup of, you know, this rematch. It goes back to my era of, of 90, the 93 season, right? Joe Montana coming off of a, of a magic first year with the Chiefs. Uh, we, he brought us to the next level. You know, we beat the Steelers in overtime. We beat the house that we go down to the house of pain and beat the Oilers. Buddy Ryan's vaunted, you know, 46 defense. And we go in the Buffalo, and man, you know, Joe gets knocked out of the game. And this is bringing back a lot of memories for me, Tom. This game. That's why I wanted to have you on. I thought, you know, who's who's a better connection there? But you do mention the KC, uh, you know, history and the dynasty and, and the narratives. And uh, a friend of mine used to every single year wear his Derek Thomas jersey and be pumped up. And I go, oh, this is your year, man, with a Koye Thomas and all you got. <laughs> this is your year, man. And then somehow or another, but now it it seems like it's a different narrative because. It's it's Mahomes and it's Reed. But I want to ask you about Andy Reed here. Three years ago, two years ago even, the applause weren't always on Reed. It was he couldn't win the big one. He got there. Well, he's really good, but he's not that upper echelon. He wins one, and it changed everything. Well, what if he loses here? And I don't want to start off with a negative, but if he does, does it get to be a point where they go, ah, it doesn't matter. He won his one. We know what he is. Or do we start to hear again? Well, you know what? He's only got the one. Uh, well, Tom, you got to go back to history. I mean, the last time, you know, just let's look in the short term, right? The last time a team has won back-to-back Super Bowls, you know, 2003, 2004, right? Patriots, right? I mean, we're talking almost decades, couple of decades now since a team has repeated. So, you know, you have to look at that history, how hard it is to win two in a row. It's, it's hard enough to win one. 
But, you know, I guess it's really, it, it's probably something that if you sat down with your friends, you could debate for hours. Do you want to be, do you want to be around an organization? Do you want to be the fan of an organization or a player in the organization or a member of the organization that is a consistent winner and, you know, almost gets there and you just can taste the championship? Or do you want to be that team that struggles and lives in just mires and mediocrity for 20 years, wins one, and then it's over? It's just, it's an age, it's an age, an age old adage, right? As far as like, how do you want your organization to go? And that's what the Chiefs have been. And that's what Andy Reid has been. I grew up, you know, I'm Philadelphia, I'm a native. And I watched him after I'd retired from the Chiefs and you know, moved back to Philadelphia. And I had a chance to meet Andy in his first week with the Eagles. And I knew they had something special when the Eagles brought him on. And look what he did with the birds. I mean, you know, they, a couple of NFC championships, get to the Super Bowl. I mean, it just, it was never enough. We got to get the big one. But, you know, they had so many great years and, I don't know. It's just I think it's a debate for all ages, Tom. What do, what would you rather have? Me personally, I'd rather have that consistent winner that's almost going to get there and then has this chance than to deal with, you know, 20 years of sadness and then maybe the one championship. That's just my own personal opinion. I know everybody's going to have their own. Yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from. We're on the phone with Joe Valerio, retired Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman. And Joe, uh, let's talk about the Mahomes situation in regards to Andy Reid, because I want to bring that back uh, full circle here. The linesmakers have uh, the Chiefs at about minus three. When the questions earlier in the week were maybe Mahomes wouldn't play, this only went to, uh, speaking to a lot of sportsbooks guys, maybe minus two for the Bills or whatnot. It shows a lot of respect for Andy Reid. Now, I know there was an interception by Chad Haney, but he still went six of eight. We know that Reid had full confidence in him. So we go into this game. Let's say, okay, Patrick Mahomes is starting. He's going to be okay. More people are worried about the toe. I get it. But what if Haney has to come into this game? We know it's a big drop-off. But what should we expect if we have to see Henny in this game? Well, I think I mean, Tommy, great, great points, right? And I, I think what I think what the the odds makers were looking at was the last game that they played. I mean, the Chiefs ran for almost 250 yards in that game. You know, we know that the Achilles' heel of this Buffalo defense is probably their front seven, really strong in the defensive backfield, right? We know they've got some some studs back there, but you know, taking nothing away from this this Bills defense. You know, the Chiefs could probably run the ball on this team and, and, and you know, Chad Henney could come in and be a game manager if, you know, God forbid something happens to Patrick and he can't either play or he gets hurt or whatever in, early in the game or his toe is, you know, which, which by the way, is an aside. I'm more worried about the toe than I am the, the concussion or the head injury at this point because I just, I just think, you know, from, from what, everything I'm hearing and reading and seeing, Patrick's going to play. And he's getting through this protocol. He's cruising through. He, he light worked out today. You know, who would have thought that somebody who had had a concussion on, on a Sunday is going to be doing a light workout on a Wednesday. So he's playing. Let's, let's, I think we should all come to that conclusion. But I'm worried about his toe because his biggest strength, Tom, is his ability to move around the pocket and not to scramble like a, a, an old-time running quarterback, you know, uh, he, he, he is a true dropback quarterback who knows how to find the pocket within the pocket. And that's been his biggest strength. And if he can't, you know, roll to his right, roll to his left, make those off balance throws because his toe is bothering, which those injuries are the worst, by the way. Right. I mean, they just, you know, granted, I know there's a lot worse injuries you can have, but a toe, but when you're trying to play sports, man, there's nothing worse than a toe. Um, cause it just nags you and it, it, your body just tells you get off this toe. 
Um, I'm more worried about that, Tom, than I am anything. And I think if it does bother them, I think they go to the run game, and I think they can have good success there like they did when they played the Bills the first time. We're on the phone with Joe Valerio, Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman, former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman. Joe, I I love that you mentioned that because I was going to go into that, and I was going to ask you uh, about the game plan. For those that don't know, and I, I know that a lot of people forget. It's very easy. You forget like three weeks ago. People forget about that game. Yeah, there was only 43 points scored combined. The total is set at 54 here. There's only 43 points scored combined. And what the Chiefs did is what Buffalo kind of wants to do is don't let Mahomes beat him. They said, we're not going to let Josh Allen beat him. They kept the ball, ladies and gentlemen, for 38 minutes they held the ball. You said it. They ran for 200-plus yards. But the guy that ran it the most was Clyde Edwards-Elair. 161 yards. He looked fresh. He looked really good. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we get back, Joe, I want to ask you about who's going to be the lead back here. Is it going to be Bell? Is it going to be Williams? Is Edwards-Elair going to all of a sudden have a big game? Because I think they're going to need that. I'm Gary Myers, the host of the podcast, the coach, Tom Brady. And you're listening to Tom Barton on the Sports Garden Network. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Barton here. We're sitting in with Joe Valerio, former offensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs. Go check him out on Twitter. It's at JoeValerio73. And we just finished leaving this off, the conversation, with how much success the Kansas City Chiefs had running the ball the first time these two teams met. Now, last week, if you were a prop player, uh, the books had Le'Veon Bell, and they had a, they thought, you know what, this guy's going to run quite a bit, and it was going to be the Le'Veon Bell show. Instead, it was the Williams show early on. He had a couple of great breaks. They try to get Bell involved later on. So I'm going to ask you, Joe, you know, who's going to carry the load if they need that running game, which I think they're going to go with a similar game plan. Yeah, that's a great question, Tom, and, and I, a great point. And I, I think they're going to go with Darrell Williams. I really do. I think, you know, Edward Solaire's practice today limited. Right, still a couple of days out, and players are getting better and better at playing without practicing. Right, we just know that's the the way that the NFL is going. These players are so highly tuned and such highly conditioned athletes; they don't really need to practice the way we did in my era, where you know when you you almost it was almost a a detriment when you when you stopped practicing. Like you needed to keep practicing to get better. Um, I, so I don't, but I don't see Clyde being sort of the go-to to start the game because they're going he's gonna have to feel his way through, right, through some live game action. It's been a while. Um, and, you know, we've seen that they can sit Le'Veon. He's, he's a seasoned enough veteran that, you know, he'll be able to jump in there um, at a moment's notice if things start to go south for, for Daryl. But I think they're going to go with Daryl because Eric Bieniemy's is a hot hand coordinator. Andy Reid's a hot hand kind of a coach. And I think when you watch this team over time, they, they tend to go with the momentum of who's, who's getting it done. And I think they're going to they're gonna pound the ball early on uh, to see if they can rest Patrick if they can keep him from wearing that toe out. Um, I imagine they're going to be using some great, you know, run pass option stuff, you know, with Patrick and the Legion of Zoom and all the speed that they have to try to take advantage of it. But I I think they're going to start pounding the ball early, keep Josh off the field and try to win the time of possession game like they did when they played them the first time and see where it goes from there. And the one thing that we know about the Chiefs, uh, you know, coaching staff and Eric Bieniemy and and Andy Reid, they're great at, they're great at, adjusting the game plan on the fly. So I don't think they'll have any problem adjusting it first quarter, halftime, wherever they need to do it, if things aren't going the right way. 
you know, on the other side of the ball, I'm going to put an offensive lineman on the other side of the ball here, but you're an NFL coach, uh, but you're a coach and you play in the NFL. So, you know, I'm going to ask you some defensive questions though. I see a lot of teams playing one-on-one with Stefan Dix. How do you not double this guy? And if you do double him, I mean, who's really the threat on the other side for the Bills? Why are teams going one-on-one with Diggs, and what do you expect the Chiefs to do here? I, I don't. I don't expect them to go into a one-on-one situation. That's not been, you know, that's not been the Chiefs' mo, right? Defensively, there, it's it's defense by committee. You know, it's it's a lot of zone coverage. Um, you know, really, um, uh, you know, rely on that. You know, defensive front that they have to to get pressure on, on the quarterback. I mean. Spagnola is going to be throwing the kitchen sink at Josh Allen. That's what he does against young quarterbacks. You know, he throws the kitchen sink at them. He changes the coverages. He changes the stunts up front from a rush perspective. He'll, you know, he throws the corners in there. He blitzes the linebackers. He is going to give Josh Allen fits with, you know, a, a whole lot of different looks. And that's, and that's the way they've masked, you know, that's the way the Chiefs have masked what is probably, eh, maybe this is a strong term, but has been their Achilles heel. Right. It's been their defense um, and, and it's been sort of the coverage. It's that what, what I when I worry about the Chiefs, where I worry, worry about them getting picked at. It's that like eight to 16 yard drop zone. Right. You're not going to beat. you know, they're seasoned enough defensive backfield. They're not and they have enough speed. You're not going to beat them deep all the time. It's it's the it's the like what I would call like death by a thousand paper cuts that I worry about. Right. Like. It's like the, the six-yard pass, the eight-yard pass, the 12-yard pass. That's where the Chiefs can get in trouble, and that's what Spags does a great job of, of masking as a coordinator. He's great at masking and keeping, you know, he'll keep a Josh Allen from seeing that part of the field by changing up the coverages and changing up the rush. So, you know, that's, that's been their MO kind of all year, especially when they go against sort of a straight – a straight-up quarterback like a Josh Allen, and and the fact that he's young too. Yeah, I've said for a little couple of years now. I think that the one thing that Buffalo didn't do, and I've raved about their front office, the one thing they didn't do was get this guy a tight end. I think he would be huge in a game like this. And I think that's something that Allen's been lacking. But I'm glad you brought up the assistants because it's a touchy subject to touch on the assistants sometimes because you don't really know the workings, but. I want to ask you your mindset here. Brian Dable and Eric Bieniemy both very hot coordinators. Dable says, "You know what? I'm staying." He says it before the biggest game of his life. Right? Here's what it is: I'm staying. You take it away. Bieniemy has been on everyone's lips. Why is he being hired? What's going on? People are commenting for whatever reasons you might be. Is this a distraction to Eric Bieniemy? Well, no, I, you know, I think Tom, it, it, it can be. I think if they let it get to him, I mean, look, Eric's a he was a he was a seasoned uh, NFL player. He's been coaching a long time. He's been to Super Bowl offensive coordinator. I think he's a guy right now that has learned to play under that pressure. And when you're in an Andy Reid coaching tree. You've got to be, uh, you you know, you're going to be trained in, in in learning how to be a head coach, right? I mean, look at his tree. Look at the people that have gone on to do great things. So, you know, I, I think I think it could be for the for the for the right coach or the wrong coach, I should say. It could be a lot of a, a pressure pack situation. I think Eric's handled it like a champ, and and I really do feel like you know we came out in the same year in the draft. He went to the Chargers. I was with the Chiefs, and. You know, I, I've watched his career flourish, and I, I'm super excited about him. He needs to be a head coach. I mean, it's not that he should. I'm, not, I'm going way beyond he should be. He needs to be. He needs to be a head coach. He has put in the time. He has done all the right things. He has put in this creative offense um, with Andy, and, and I think he's ready. 
So, I, you know, I think for the wrong coach, it could be it could be a, quite a distraction. I think for a guy like Eric Bieniemy, I, I think he's been able to handle it pretty well, and it, it really hasn't showed. We're on the phone with Joe Valerio at Joe Valerio seventy three. Uh, Joe, you mentioned you know college days. I still rant and rave that Eric Bieniemy should have won the Heisman that year. I still, I still flip uh, out at that. He still, he was the best player at college. That still bothers me. Uh, <laughs> no doubt. I mean, I my Tom, I, I have a connection with Eric beyond even just we came out in the same draft class and all that stuff. I mean, uh, my roommate at the NFL Combine was a guy by the name of Ariel Solomon, who was one of his uh, tackles. And, uh, you know, Joe Garden was was, uh, the center on that team, would play guard. Uh, You know, so I I got to know him. So I got to meet Eric as, you know, as a young guy when we were at the Combine, um, when he came to see Ariel, uh, when when the running backs and the line overlapped at the Combine. And I got to meet him, and it was fantastic. And I was thinking the same thing. I mean, he really should. I mean, he had a year. That whole Colorado team had a year, and he was, you know, he was lights out. So, uh, you know, I just I think of him, you know, as 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 a as a, you know almost like a friend and somebody that I know. And I think he's he's very deserving. And you're right. I think he should have won the Heisman that year, to be honest. I'm still not letting that go. All right, Joe. It's prediction time, man. Tell me about what what do you think? Not only a prediction for this game, but if you have them winning, uh, you know. Do they go all the way? Is it it Mahomes' toe is the problem? Is it uh, maybe that the Bills are too good? Talk to me about what you think is going to happen today. I think think the Chiefs are going to win this game. I think they're going to have a game plan that covers all the contingencies. Uh, And I think they have the horses on offense to do it against this Buffalo Bills defense. So if Patrick's fully healthy, he gets this toe thing worked out, he gets the – comes through the concussion protocol, he's feeling good, you know, then obviously the playbook is wide open. And then, you know, Eric and Andy can can run, they can pass, they can do all the things with the speed vertically, horizontally that they've done, posting Travis Kelsey up. I think I think they win this game and I think they win it, not to take the easy road out, but I think they win this game by a touchdown. Even if Patrick is, you know, half of, of what he is, I think he's still enough of a threat to this sort of I don't want to call them mediocre Bills defense, but, you know, they're just not – they're not a defensive powerhouse. Now, hey, it's the NFL, and if, if, if we let – you know, as a Chiefs team, if they let Josh Allen stay on the field and he makes some things happen and he gets Stephon and Cole and John Brown in the mix, you know, anything can happen um, if they can keep pace. Because seen, we've seen it, right, Tom? Teams have been able to keep pace with the Chiefs if they can get some time of possession. Because the Chiefs' defense isn't, you know, what it should be. They haven't covered right? spread so, since so the Jets. It's been a long time. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing two relatively, I don't want to call them weak, right? It's the NFL, but weaker defenses, right, than, than, than you, you would think about, when, especially when you think about that, like, I remember that 1993 Buffalo Bills defense. Holy cow, up and down the roster. Daryl Talley, Cornelius Bennett, Bruce Smith, Jeff Wright, Phil Hansen. Like, my gosh, like, that was a defense um, that you worried about. So, I think I think the Chiefs win this game by six, a touchdown, and then I think they move on. And I I have to say that you know if I were if I'm if I'm predicting you know if I'm predicting the next game I have the Packers winning. Aaron Rodgers is, is playing way too well right now. Tom Brady you know God obviously is a legend and and that that's going to be a fantastic game. NFL royalty there, uh, Packers Buccaneers you know Brady versus Rodgers. Uh, but I think the Packers come out, and then we're looking at a rematch of Super Bowl one and three, <laughs> right? I mean, or, or Super Bowl one and two, uh, you know, with the Packers and the Chiefs. So that would be exciting. And and in that game, who? 
that's a toss up. <laughs> I gotta say, that's a toss up. I can't even make a prediction well, on that one. We'll save that prediction because we could have you on before then again to it. break that I down. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Joe Valerio. Go check him out, everybody, at Joe Valerio73. And you guys listen, this is good stuff. He's not he gave us two predictions, but I like the inside. I love I love to get into former players' mindsets, see where where they're thinking. The game within the game, and this is a portion of the game within the game that a lot of people don't really pay attention to. So thank you very much to Joe and that insight. We're gonna take a quick timeout. When we get back i'm going to break it down just a little bit more i have a stat that people are forgetting about the buffalo bills that is going to absolutely blow your socks off it's going to be ridiculous it's going to be coming up right after this on wagering week and now back to wagering week with tom barton i'll bet you 20 bucks i can get you gambling before the end of the day no way i'll give you three to one odds you're on what are the odds what are the odds? Well, all eyes have been focused on Deshaun Watson. We talked about the odds last week. Things have gotten worse since we've spoken, and the odds are reflecting it. Look, now the conversation is basically Watson's out of town. He doesn't care. I don't care if you're doing a Zoom meeting with Eric Bieniemy. It doesn't matter. So people are starting to believe he really might be out of town, and people close to him, he really might be out of town. Well, the odds last week, they reflected that eh, it looked like he was staying with the Texans at minus 160. Next closest was plus 250 with the Dolphins. Not this week. Texans, even money now. The Jets are plus 4-1. to one. Dolphins, 4-1. to one. Bears move up to 8-1. to one. Patriots, 10-1. to one. Broncos, 10-1. to one. Washington football team, 10-1. to one. I'm looking at this. I'm still in the same boat here, guys. I don't know if the Broncos or the Washington football team have enough to give. I'm pretty sure the Patriots want him more than anyone. I don't think the Patriots have what it takes to move up. And let's be honest, even if you put Watson there, I don't know if they'd have or what they need around him to succeed. So I'm taking the Patriots. I'm saying they want him, but they're not going to get him. The Bears? The Bears, they, look, they, they just don't have enough. What are they going to give up? The next five first round? It's just not enough. I want to see him go to the Bears. It's not enough. I said it was between the Texans and the Dolphins. I felt pretty sure that that was those two teams. But the Jets moving up to 4-1 to is intriguing because, yes, fans, the New York Jets have every single thing that they would need here. The Jets could move up and make this pick. They have plenty of picks, plenty of cap space. Not only could they get Deshaun Watson, they also could turn around and still add pieces. They could get Watson and... Allen Robinson, they could get Watson and add a Kenny Galladay. The Jets are in a really good position. So I said it was the Dolphins and the Texans. I still think it's the Dolphins or the Texans. But the Jets, it makes a lot of sense. The more you dig into it, it's making a lot of sense. We'll keep talking about these odds as the weeks go by. All right, guys. We talked about game one, Kansas City Bills. Let's talk Packers Bucks right now. This is two-time Super Bowl champion Ike Taylor, and you are listening to Wagering Week. Everybody, let me tell you right now, it's the GOAT against the guy that wants to be called the GOAT. Yeah, that's it. Look, I can take my pop shots at Rodgers every now and then. My next guest, though, probably going to have a problem with it. Mark Beach is going to join us. He wrote The People's Team, an illustrated history of the Green Bay Packers. He's also the managing editor, the Players' Tribune. You can go catch him on Twitter. It's at Mark Beach, B-E-E-C-H. 2PTO, 2.0, that is. That's Mark. Mark, welcome to the show. 
Uh, it's good to be here. Thanks very much for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. I had a good time with you the last time we talked. Now, hey, here we go. You talk about legacy. You talk about history. This could be that game. Aaron Rodgers' legacy, to me, a lot of it is is sort of on the line here. And I know everyone's talking about the win. And if Rodgers wins and he moves on, well, what will it happen? And, and if he wins the Super Bowl, well, now we have to have the conversation and where he's going to be and all that. My counter-argument to that is, is if he loses. If he loses, he's going to be barely 500 in the playoffs. If he loses, it's almost more ammunition, although the championship losses never really get looked at the same. So what's your take on Aaron Rodgers moving forward here? Is it more important for him to win this game and, and be pushed up into an echelon that he really wants to be, or can it be really detrimental if he loses? Um, I don't know. You know, I think, um, you know, but for a failed assignment on an onside kick, the Packers... You know, Aaron Rodgers would have already played Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, the the fumble of the onside kick against Seattle in the 2015 NFC Championship game cost the Packers a chance to go to to play New England in the in the um, in the Super Bowl. And Tom Brady had already beaten the Patriots that year. I'm not so sure that Rodgers' legacy is on the line. I think that um, I think that he might be playing the best football of his career. Uh, but but football is such a I mean, look at Philip Rivers, who retired today. The guy was a brilliant player um, and never reached the Super Bowl. I mean, I, I'm not sure Philip Rivers' career is is uh, shot to hell because of that. I, you know, I, I, um, I'm not sure I'm ready to go that far. But I, I do think that um, Rodgers, I think you can sense it that he feels like this is like him forcing the ball at the end of the first half against uh, against the Rams is a sign that he, he sees this as a chance to to do something great. And I think that was significant. Um, and so I, I think that, that he feels there's something at stake here. Definitely. Yeah, I definitely do. And I, I didn't want to make the the point that it's a garbage career or anything to me. Look, he, he's a top 10 quarterback of all time, but there are people that want to put him as a, as number one, potentially two, three. And I think the arguments of him being better than Brady, which we know some talking heads have, loses if Brady beats him at this time. <laughs> then again, you could just laugh it off and say, which I agree with. Look, look, they're, they're crazy. They're getting people to, to read their newspapers and well, read online. Nobody has newspapers anymore. But I, I know I you're. Know, a, go ahead. Well, well, Brady Brady went to Tampa and joined the super team. I mean, his number three receiver is Antonio Brown. Like, you know, Rodgers, the number three, I don't think there's agreement in Green Bay on who the number two and three receiver actually is. Like, is it Alan Lazard? Is it Marquez Valdez-Scanlon? Um, you know, I, I think um, what Rodgers is doing this year, and that's that's another reason it's so incredible, is that, like, you know, he didn't join a team with all these weapons. See, he's, he's on a team that has good pieces and good parts, uh, and there are some spectacular pieces, Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones especially, uh, and Robert Tunyon is quickly joining that that stratosphere. But um, I, I think Brady joined a much more talented team. And so I, I think, you know, I, I don't think that uh, Sunday is a layup for the Packers by any means. They could lose that game because Tampa is so good uh, at so many positions on both sides of the ball. Well, let's talk about Rodgers' new enthusiasm. A lot of people pointing, well, they went out and they drafted a quarterback, and that's exactly what he needed. Uh, you know, I think it's more that he's got a young coach that's just going, hey, you know what? We're going to try this. We're going to do that. We're, we're going to have some fun out here. And I, I think from watching Rodgers over the years, he got a reputation, whether it be earned or not, of being kind of sour, being a little angry. You know that some of his players have yeah. come out against him. I think he's having fun again, and I think that matters in sports. Do you agree? Oh, I, I totally, I totally agree. I mean, that's why it took me 
uh, some time to warm up to Aaron Rodgers, you know, in a way, because um, I, Brett Favre always looked like he was having fun out there. And Aaron Rodgers is a different dude. Like, I think he's a, he's like a, a great composer or a, or a, a you know, kind of a, a, a musician, a jazz musician, where if one thing is off, if one thing is slightly off, uh, you know, that nothing totally works right. And he gets frustrated with that. Um, so I, I think that there's a, a, a facet to that, but he certainly seems to be enjoying himself this year. I think he's meshed with Matt LaFleur very well. I, I think that, um, you know, LaFleur came in. I think there were some doubts about, about um, you know, I think in Tennessee he hadn't been nearly as successful with his offenses as he is in Green Bay. Um, but I think what he's got going with Rodgers right now is really impressive to watch. I was surprised at what they did to the Rams. They they cut through them like Swiss cheese. And it was, uh, you know, it, it was I can't remember a Packers team doing that for for the longest time. We're on the phone with Mark Beach, the people's team in illustrated history of the Green Bay Packers. Go check that out, guys. Also, you can catch him over on Twitter. It's at Mark Beach 2.02 PTO. That is B-E-E-C-H. Let me talk to you about my, uh, Mike McCarthy. Look, it's the indictment. It's easy. Isn't this a layup now, <laughs> right? That Oh, it's McCarthy out of there. <laughs> but, you know, I'm still on the phase of, I think you could have really kind of got rid of McCarthy a couple of years ago, and maybe Rodgers wouldn't have clicked right now. Something clicked in Rodgers. Yes, a lot of it was McCarthy's fault, but I'm not ready to say it was all McCarthy here. No, but I think that there's, like, the way Devontae Adams got open on the goal line against uh, the Rams, you know, running in motion and running back and and sort of scheming, you know, that that sort of thing. That I don't, I can't think of a play that McCarthy ever ran that was like that. I think his play calling becomes sort of stale by the end and and so there was a change needed at some point. Um, and I, I'm no football expert, but that's kind of how I felt as a just a fan watching the games. Uh, but I think that, you know, what Aaron Rodgers is doing right now is, is pretty impressive. You know, I was at the NFL draft when he got selected. You know, when he fell, that was a story of the day. I was there to follow, for Sports Illustrated, I was there to follow Ronnie Brown. And I had a friend in Alabama who was following Cadillac Williams around. And we were going to, both going to do our files, and Peter King was going to write a story. Um, and about, you know, 10 picks into the draft, I got a call from my editor. He was like, you know, just follow Aaron Rodgers wherever he goes. Because he became his, his fall down the draft board became the story of that day. And I can still remember him talking to him about McCarthy's screen packages, you know, it was when it was all brand new. But I think by the end, uh, it had gotten a little stale, and I think he needed a change. And I think I, – I just think Matt LaFleur, I, I, I marvel at the, the pick Mark Murphy made. I, I, I'm extremely impressed by that. Yeah, it is pretty funny when you're talking about the motions and whatnot. I, I read somewhere that 90-some-odd percent of every Green Bay play last week was some kind of motion, and that gets quarterbacks wow. excited, right? I mean, it, you know, you're yeah. tr- you're moving guys around. We're doing something new, and now Mike McCarthy's old kind of stale playbook maybe goes out the window, and, and maybe it wasn't McCarthy. It was just kind of the, the playbook. Aaron Rodgers at home here. How different is it going to be with a little bit of fans in the stands? Well, I think it's going to be tremendous. You know, I think there there is a really a connection between the Packers and their fans. It's you know, it, at Players Tribune, we ran a piece by Robert Tunyon uh, to his Packers teammates and the people of Green Bay about you know what they wanted to do with the playoff run, and it just it went uh, it blew up. It was it's a, you know it, it did tremendously for us, uh, and I think that's a testament to the commitment and the depth of passion that people have in Green Bay, uh, and so I think. I think it's going to make a huge difference. I really do. Yeah, it, it's great that you, you do have the fans in Green Bay are just, I, I could 
agree with them, disagree with them, like their team, not like their team, but but you still go back and you go, man, that's that's some good fan base. It really is. And you, everyone's talking about Bills Mafia. And I love Bills Mafia because they're maniacs and they're breaking tables and stuff. But Green Bay's been here forever doing this kind of stuff, right? They're out in negative 10-degree weather and, and whatnot. I know the weather's supposed to be pretty cold, uh, but not according to Green Bay standards, right? Right, and you know, I think I think that's less of an advantage to the Packers than people assume it's going to be. I, I think that you know Tom Brady played for for um, you know twenty years in New England, which is not a warm place in the winter. Uh, so I think that I think that it's going to be actually be a very even football game in terms of like players dealing with dealing with the elements and stuff. I I think the Green Bay's running game is going to be different this time than it was in their first matchup, and I think that the three-headed monster they have going there with with Aaron Jones and, and um, oh, the rookie is A.J. Dillon and Jamal Williams, uh, the other veteran. I, I think it's really – it could be the difference in this game. I, I really think that the, the Packers' commitment to the running game and far success up play action is, is the key for the offense there. On the phone with Mark Beach. Go check him out. It's managing editor at the Players' Tribune. Go check that out on Twitter, at Players' Tribune. And we're talking a little Packers and Bucks. I promised I'd have a stat. And I have stats. I have trends. I have things like that. And I tell you sometimes, some of them mean nothing. Some of them do mean something. So I have two. Two I want you to pay attention to, and I want to get Mark's reaction to it. The first... I think we could kind of throw away. The Buccaneers are 1-17 in 17 all time in freezing weather that 32 degrees or below. But the one that I do think holds some merit here, Mark, is Aaron Rodgers is 29-5 and at home in games played in December, January since 2009. His home dominance can't be overlooked. Am I right? No, I don't think so. I think, I think the, the Packers, I think what Brian Gutenkunst did uh, with his team this year, the GM, um, was to build it sort of along the lines of what Ron Wolf always used to do with the Packers in the 90s. Was he built them to be a running team in December and, and January when, the, when it got cold. The teams had to come to Green Bay and they could pound out games on the ground. That's what Dorsey Levins, uh, the, the great running back, Amon Green, like that's what they could do is they could run teams into submission. And I think that, that you know, the running game is going to be huge for the Packers. And I think that Roger, what Rodgers does off of the running game, and specifically with play action, which he's been extremely successful at this year, is is big, and I think the cold weather and this, there's supposed to be some snow uh, is going to play into that. And so I, I sort of feel like you know Rodgers can he can improve on that record if if things go well if they don't turn the ball over. I'm a big AJ Dillon fan, right? I, I watched him in BC. <laughs> I like this kid. Everybody loves the size of his calves, right? Well, we all we all like it, but he comes into the game. He has a little fumbling problems. I know he's got the burst. I keep asking myself, why don't they just go to Aaron Jones consistently? Is it a matter of that they're trying to rest him? Are they trying to confuse it? Why aren't they just going fully 100% to Jones? I've always seen it as like, you know, one reason Aaron Jones has been so successful over the last couple of years and his, he came to the Packers and injured goods. Like he had, I think, MCL injuries in college. He'd had knee problems in college, like significant ones. Uh, and I think that the Packers, the two coaching staffs, McCarthy's and Lafleur's, have done an excellent job of managing his workload. And that's why he survived. Uh, I think it's now three straight 16-game seasons. Like, I mean, they, you know, and then he's been terrific in the playoffs. Uh, so I, I think the, the, their management of his workload has been has been key there because I, I think that you know he's not an every down back and the turn and that he can get like 35 or 38 carries a game whatever whatever John Riggins used to do like I think that like he's not he's not that kind of back but but the, the Packers have made him a a productive uh, you know consistent back and he might be the best running back in the playoffs right now. It, I think he's the best running back who's going to be hitting the free agent market. Yeah, I wonder if Green Bay is going to bring him back. I I would be inclined to say probably not. 
because they do have It'll Dillinger. It'll be tough. Yeah, the, the cap issues. But he is, to me, is a little underrated. A guy that I still think is underrated is a guy you mentioned earlier, and I almost jumped on that, but I wanted to stay in the right direction. That's <laughs> Devontae Adams, man. I know oh that. Oh, my God. We got to ask the question. I got to ask the question on another show, and, and they said, is Devontae Adams the best wide receiver in football? I said, finally, somebody's kind of smartening up to this. But you, oh, he's always got the stigma behind him. Well, Aaron Rodgers is making you for what you are. Devontae Adams is making Aaron Rodgers as much as Rodgers is making him. I think it's a tandem, right? Does this guy get the credit that he deserves? No, not yet. He's getting close. I think he was made in 99 in, in Madden this year uh, towards the end of the season, which I think was overdue. Uh, there's nobody better at getting himself open off the line of scrimmage than Devontae Adams, I think, in the whole NFL. Uh, and I think one thing that's significant about those in, those near interceptions that far, that um, far, that uh, Rodgers almost threw against the Rams at the end of the first half was that they were to Lazard and Valdez Scanling. And neither one of those guys had separation. Uh, and I think that's something that, that people take for granted a bit with Adams. He's open all the time. And if he's got a very tough assignment, which he's going to have uh, against the Buccaneers on Sunday, like those guys have to be able to get open. Because Devontae is really good at it. But if he goes up against somebody good or if they if they scheme to take him out of the game, like Valdez Scanling or Lazard have to step up or, to, or Tunyon. Well, back in week six, and everyone's going to point to week six, right? Back in week six, Six catches, 61 yards. You go, what happened to this guy? But he had a hamstring injury for three weeks leading into it, right? I mean, how is that just overlooked? We could talk about guys getting hurt. Yeah, he was in there, but he's coming off a hamstring injury. You have to think that he was hampered. He he was compromised. I, I think the Packers were not completely healthy, and their defense was not quite where it is now. I don't think their defense is to the level of the Buccaneers' defense, but I think their defense is good enough to win a Super Bowl. So I think I think there are several things different from that game, but but having a Devontae Adams at less than 100% is, is a big difference. Than like I mean you saw him on Sunday against the Rams it was just it, you know I don't think he passed over 100 he passed 100 yards but it seemed like every one of his catches was for a touchdown or a first down yeah you, know, you mentioned the defense and that's where I wanted to go because watching Aaron Rodgers throw interception after interception in week six was just something you just don't see and what happened in that game right. guys dropped other interceptions and you go oh, it's a fluke but they just did that to Drew Brees these weird bounced up in the air weird interceptions seem to happen with Tampa is that something where Packers fans should be worried about this week I don't know I feel like I you know you you mentioned stats earlier and one stat I I, I looked up and made sure of before I, I got on this phone call was it uh, in one playoff game against the Rams, Brett Favre threw as many pick sixes as Aaron Rodgers has in his entire career. <laughs> Brett Favre threw three of them. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has thrown three in, in uh, you know, his, since 2005, or, and I think he became the starter in 2008. Uh, it just doesn't happen. And so and I think if the Packers take care of the ball and, and don't turn it over, I think that, um, that they're better than, than, than New Orleans. I, I think New Orleans was in that game if, if Breeze can uh, – you know, doesn't turn the ball over so many times, and Jared Cook doesn't fumble. Uh, so I, I really think I'm curious to see what happens, but I feel like the Packers are, are can stay in this game. I think it's going to be super close, but um, I, I have a good feeling about it. On the phone with Mark Beach. Go check out his book, The People's Team and Illustrated History of the Green Bay Packers and Managing Editor at Players' Tribune. You mentioned the turnovers, okay? Here's something I've watched yep. over Favre's career. I, I did what you did. Here's something I've mentioned yeah. over Roger's career, right? Is, it's so easy. <laughs> he doesn't throw picks, but he often fumbles the ball. Sometimes he jumps on them. That's fine. But he does have a little fumbling problem. Vita Vey is in there. You have Sue. You have that front line there. Is that a concern we should be paying attention to? I think I think that's a major concern. I mean, Tampa can rush the passer with four, um, which I think, you know, opens up a whole host of things to do in the back end that 
to make life difficult for a quarterback, you know, who's already on the run. Uh, so I think that the Packers offensive line is as much as they were tested on sun, on Saturday against the Rams, Aaron Donald was not at a hundred percent. Aaron Donald had, you know, torn rib cartilage, which is not a insignificant injury. So I, I think, I think he played like 39 snaps out of like, I think he only played like, you know, just over 50% of the snaps. Um, I think it's going to be a real test. I think Sue and Via Via are going to make, are going to make it hard. I think Corey Lindsley and Elton Jenkins have their, their work cut out for them. I, you know, it's going to be, you know, the Packers struggled against Tampa when they, they sacked Favre all those times in week six. And I think, I think that was most of the sacks Favre endured all season. Uh, and then the Packers struggled against, um, I think it was Tennessee later in the season and Tennessee could rush the passer with four. Um, so I, I, I do think that, that um, the challenge for Green Bay is going to be that, that, you know, Tampa's front seven is good and that's going to be a real problem, but the, the Packers offensive line has answered every challenge. But I think one one significant thing about the um, the injury to, to uh, David Bakhtiari, the left tackle, is that in 1961, when the Packers won their first NFL championship under Vince Lombardi, Jerry Kramer got hurt in like week six or week two that year. Like he got hurt early in the season and they had to reshuffle their offensive line and they won an NFL championship. Uh, you know, so it's not unprecedented what the Packers are trying to do. I love the history. I think I know where you're going here, Mark, but I have to ask it anyway. Give me a prediction for today. I think the Packers are three-and-a-half-point favorites, and I think that's pretty much about right. I think it'll probably be 34-31 or 31-28, but I, I see Green Bay coming out on top. And if you see Green Bay coming out on top, who are they playing? Give, give me a little bonus for the second game. Wow, I really like the Bills. I know the Chiefs are unbeatable, um, but boy, do the Bills look terrific to me. I mean, they're just so exciting. I, I thought I, I might have been alone amongst my fantasy football league last year. I just I thought Josh Allen was terrific, uh, and it, but it's really come to fruition this year. Um, and the Bills look tremendous. They have a good defense, good solid defense, and they have lots of weapons on offense. And they're led by a great quarterback who reminds me of Brett Favre in his prime. We've had some far Freudian slips, but Allen fits the bill, man. He really <laughs> does. Mark, enjoy the game again, everybody. It's Mark Beach. Go check out the book, The People's Team and Illustrated History of the Green Bay Packers. Managing editor. You can go check it out on Twitter, at Players Tribune. And Mark's personal, Mark Beach, E-E-E-C-H 2.0. PTO. Thanks for your, all your time, Mark. Guys, look, this is a game where, y- you know, y- you're going to look back on this game 15, 20 years from now. You're going to be talking to your kids. I have a seven-year-old boy. You don't think I'm going to be talking about this game in 10, 15 years from now just because of the magnitude of Brady against Rodgers. Now, we've had some great quarterback against quarterback games in our lifetime. We really have. I mean, the Manning games, yeah, sure. And even last week, just talking about Breeze and his last game, these are iconic games. But I do believe, I, I disagree with Mark a little bit because I do believe that a lot of this has to go on Rodgers' shoulders of what if he loses. You know, if he wins, there's going to be a whole other conversation. If he wins, he's clearly, you can't throw Breeze's name, Marino's name. No, no, no. If he wins, we're talking about Peyton Manning. If he wins, we're talking about Joe Montana. And if he wins, we're talking about the guy across the way from him in Tom Brady. If he loses, though, guys, here we go again. We go again with Aaron Rodgers can't get to the big game. The only negative on Breeze's record is that, well, he only won one. He only won one. So there's that. On the other side, Tom Brady, isn't he kind of playing with house money? I mean, don't tell Tom that. But isn't Tom Brady playing with house money here, guys? If he loses here, you go, yeah, he's like 150 years old playing in 20-degree weather against a guy that's going to win the MVP 
Yeah, okay, and it's his first year with a team with no training camp, no OTAs. You, you throw it aside and you go, ah, okay. You know, nobody, nobody's going to hold this against Brady. No one's holding it. But they're billing this as Brady against Rodgers. They're billing this as, as the matchup. And I think Rodgers has a lot more to lose here than Brady has, does. If Brady wins this, it's just another, ah, oh, look at this. Even in my old age home, I can still beat you. So at your best, you are never good as my best because I'm not even at my best, and I can beat you. Brady has nothing to lose, nothing to win here. Only things to win, I should say, where Aaron Rodgers. Guys, I think the pressure's on him, and I think he knows it. I think he loves to go up against Brady one-on-one. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick timeout. We'll be right back right after this. We're sending you back to the future. Bet to the future. Bet to the future. Well, Philip Rivers, he's gone. So that means the Colts are looking for a quarterback. What are the odds? And who's going to start week one of the starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts next year? How about Jacoby Brissett at three to one odds? Carson Wentz seven to two. Matthew Stafford nine to two. Andy Dalton five to one. And the only guy that's on the roster and signed, Jacob Eason, at six to one. That is bet to the future. I got to tell you, don't, don't don't go betting on something like this. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, Brissett, uh, Eason, Eason might be the guy. I just don't see a ready-to-win-now type of team going with Eason or Brissett. Wentz, you got to hope for a trade. There's a lot of moving parts. Stafford, hope for the trade. Andy Dalton, same kind of thing. Oh, you can go sign Andy Dalton. Uh, they might still draft somebody. I don't think so, but they might travel. Look, maybe if a Mac Jones falls, right? Mac Jones falls in that spot. Kyle Trask, potentially. There's too many moving parts here. Uh, my final word on Rivers and Breeze. I did want to touch on this, and don't worry. I still have some good stats for you coming up about this weekend. But my final thoughts on Rivers and Breeze, guys. Look, they're both Hall of Famers, okay? I think they're very, very different players, Drew Brees is a guy that I believe is a top five all-time player. I'm talking from the quarterback position. He is a player that when he walks away, he left an impact on the game outside of this, which has to be included. He's a Hall of Famer without a doubt, and I think he goes in on day one. I don't think you could put him uh, up against the big three, and the big three for me are Manning, Montana, and Brady. After that, Elway, Unitas, Otto Graham, Marino, of course. You have that group of, it goes pretty deep after three. You get to eight or nine, and then you start to have questions. Look, I think Breeze has an argument to be inside the top five. I think he would probably be inside my top five, but I, I didn't see Otto Graham. I didn't see Johnny U. I understand their impact of the game, though. So, uh, to me, Breeze is firmly inside the top ten. Probably inside the top five. And to all of you guys going out there and screaming about Aaron Rodgers, 5,000 yards passing has happened uh, 11 times and five by Drew Brees. The numbers are there. Marino and Rodgers and Brees, they had big numbers. And Marino, look, he didn't get He got to one, didn't win it. Brees got to one and won it. Rodgers got to one and won it. I think they're all very similar. And I, I think that they are all potentially top five guys. I don't have Rodgers there yet. I don't have Marino there yet. I got Breeze there right now, which might shift. If Rodgers goes out there and wins the Super Bowl this year, maybe I have to rethink things. As far as Philip Rivers, who we started with, you know, the big debate is, is he a Hall of Famer? I say absolutely he is. 
I, I think Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. There's something to be said in the NFL about being a compiler. And I know people go, oh, compiler, compiler. Look, you're playing quarterback. And Philip Rivers played quarterback when you're actually allowed to touch the quarterback and hit him, right? Philip Rivers had a good career. He is what I think of when I think of the Chargers. I know everybody loves LaDamian Thomason. Philip Rivers spells the Chargers. He lasted 17 years, finished off his last eight years throwing for 4,000 yards. To me, he's a Hall of Famer. And I get that he's on the fence, and maybe he's not a first ballot. I'm very stringent with my Hall of Fames, and I think Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. When I watch Philip Rivers' career, when I've seen uh, what he did, especially early on in his career, I go, all right, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. And he didn't just kind of fall off the map, guys, right? He didn't just fall off the map. He's a Hall of Famer. All right, a couple of news and notes about this weekend's game. We'll start off uh, just generalities here. Bills and Packers, look, this is teams that played on Saturday. Saturday in the divisional round, the teams have gone 6-2 and two over the last four years. Over the last 11 years, they've gone 16-6. and six. So that extra two days rest seems to actually mean something, right? It means a little something. You talk about that sat playing on Saturday. Teams that played on Saturday in the divisional round, they won a conference title game in 14 of the last 15 years. So at least one of them have won in 14 or 15 years. That means that, look, it's unlikely Bucks and Chiefs both win. That's where we're talking about when you're talking about uh, Saturday against Sunday from the week before. So for all of you Green Bay and Buffalo fans out there, uh, that stat is with you. Both title games are rematches. That's happened nine times in the last seven years, so it happens pretty often that we do get a rematch. The rematch usually won by the team that won during the regular season. Seven and two are the teams on the rematch, which means Tampa Bay won the first meeting and Kansas City won the first meeting. So as you can see, these are conflicting trends, which you get all the time. And I could give you trend and trend and trend, just trying to give you an idea that the rest kind of helps and hurts. And speaking of rest, okay, uh, the Buffalo Bills, you could make an argument, should be undefeated this year. They lost three games this year. One of them was the ridiculous Hail Mary in Arizona. The other two were COVID problems. The first time they played Kansas City, remember, they were supposed to play on a Thursday night. And then it was said, no, you know what, we're going to push it back. But they didn't really know they were going to push it back until during the week. And then when they pushed it back, it was going to be on Sunday. All right, we're gearing up for Sunday. Then it wound up being Monday. And the Chiefs, because of that, wound up getting two extra days rest. So they took on the Chiefs with two extra days rest. And then they had to play the Titans in the same kind of COVID world, guys. So you turn around, you look at it, you go, the Chiefs are getting two days rest. They're still the Chiefs. Now you got to take on the Titans. Basically, what I'm trying to say is that look at Buffalo's flaws. I know everybody loves the Chiefs. There's an argument to be made that they would be undefeated this year. That is the Buffalo Bills. On the other side, you want some trends, you want some numbers, you want some stats. The Tampa Bay Bucks are 1-17 in in their entire franchise history playing in 32 degrees or less. Now, it is Tom Brady. He's used to playing in cold. Gronk's used to playing in cold. But want to throw that out there as well. Also, the Bucks are trying to become the first team in NFL history to play in a Super Bowl. That is the first time that that would happen. But next year, you have a double chance because it's in L.A. You could have Chargers-Rams. You could have it, Chargers-Rams. Just saying, look, don't uh, don't put all your eggs in this basket this year. It might happen next year. So here we go. Look, I, I sit around and I look at this time of year, and I tell people all the time, I always get asked, you know, what do you do for a living? I'm a professional handicapper. I'm a sports talk host. Okay. Uh, well, who do you love in the Super Bowl? Probably won't bet it. 
people look at me with their jaw dropped. And I said, yeah, the playoffs are when the lines are really tight, man. The playoffs are when it gets tough. And this weekend, I think the lines are exact. I, I understand why both teams should be favored by three, three and a half. I get it. I tend to lean with the points in both cases. I'm leaning with the points in both cases. But the game that I like the most, I do look at the game plan. And Joe Valerio kind of confirmed my suspicions here that, Kansas City is going to try to run the ball. And the way that the Buffalo Bills are going to be able to move the ball, not with deep bombs, they're going to, they're not going to run, but the seven-yard outs, the five-yard crossing patterns, that those little dinks and dunks to a guy like Cole Beasley are going to be huge. So I see both defenses stepping up. If there's a play that I like this week, I'm going to take the under in the Kansas City game, but I really don't love anything. It's a week to kind of gauge what I'm going to be looking for to the Super Bowl. I would love to see Brady against Mahomes. My pocket really wants to see Allen against Brady. How about Rodgers against Mahomes? I know the world wants to see that, but Rodgers against Allen is also pretty cool. So no matter what, we're going to get elite matchups. In a weird year where we had COVID, in a year where they didn't know if the NFL season was going to get underway, how many games would be missed? Well, we're looking at a situation where we have potentially the top four quarterbacks in the NFL facing off against each other, which should be an absolutely spectacular weekend. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. It's going to be fun. I know I'm going to enjoy it. I'm Tom Bard for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.